Beautiful listeners, you know we love you, and we appreciate all the support you've given us to this point. If you would like to further support us in our art, in our effort to allow these wonderful conversations to continue to take place, head over to patreon.com slash inside the sound. And now, Into the Sound with Ryan Espino and Michael Jansen. And now your hosts, Ryan Espino and Michael Jansen. Welcome back inside the sound. This is MJ. I'm Ryan. And we have, uh, again, a very special guest today who I have just the pleasure to introduce uh, a, a good friend of mine, a uh, master musician, um, just a, a generally amazing man, um, Bobby, Earl ha- Bobby Earl Hamilton. Why don't you say hi to everybody? Hey, how is everybody out there? Hope, hope who's listening, man, gets uh, gets a chance to really dive into these these cool podcasts with you guys. It's pretty cool. It's a neat thing that you have going on here. Dude, Bobby, thank you so much, man. You're you're too kind. Um, I really, really, really wanted to 
get a chance to to talk to you on the podcast because you know we've had a long long relationship at least and um you know I just really um I've learned a lot from you personally and I thought oh. that it would be just really cool to kind of hear some <laughs> more about you and some more about like what you know what got you into music in the first place um you know one of my favorite questions that we like to ask our guests is about their musical origins because you know every superhero has their origin story and i don't really think i've ever sat sure. down with you and asked you that question so could you tell us a bit about your your origin and how did you get into music yeah you know um i come from a lengthy line of musicians in our family my uh my dad's dad my grandfather who's a scottish man but uh from canada he uh he formed the Royal Canadian National Orchestra back in whatever it was, the 30s or something. Um, really? Wow. In two, hmm. And my dad was basically cons- or born uh, in Warren, Pennsylvania while they were out on the road. So uh, they, it was more of a vaudeville type thing, you know, back in the day that my grandparents were were around and 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 in and uh and i think through that that's where the royal canadian national orchestra was formed uh, he was also a trumpet player but uh uh basically um and i just i tell this story because i think it's really um it's the it's the catalyst for how we as our family really you know gave it our all to be in music well he lost one of his arms, his playing arm, actually, uh, a train had run up. Yes. Back in the day, you know, there was, there weren't as many warning signs out there to say, Hey, stay away from the train. Whoa, so people, you'd find people had lost limbs and whatnot, uh, you know, train accidents. So uh, in his case, it was his playing arm. So he had to learn to play with his left hand and his left arm. Um, and my dad just, uh, he, he thought he was the epitome of hard work and the musician's musician. So he really pushed all of us kids to, to play our hearts out. And we did. And we all have our own instruments that we grew up playing. Um, my brother is a talented, accomplished uh, pianist who, uh, who continues uh, in Germany right now. He's been in Germany for the last 25 years, but continues to help uh, conceive and write uh, for, uh, the Phoenix national symphony here or the Phoenix symphony, I'm sorry. Um, uh, occasionally helping out their, their, uh, um, you know, their staff and of writers and what they do and how they put things together. And then my brother, John, uh, and Don also, I should say, not only an accomplished pianist, but, uh, reed player, sax, um, <clears throat> you know, brass guy. Uh, my brother, John is a horn player, played trumpet, uh, accomplished trumpet player and bugle player. Um, and then me, of course, drums. So we all had a lot to do with the core marching cores and stuff for me and my brothers were, was the velvet Knights in California. So the regiment of, of that kind of, um, <clears throat> I guess that, that kind of discipline when playing really helped, uh, bring us to a place where we wanted to make it more than, than just a hobby and just fun. We wanted to make a profession out of it. So in order to do that, you have to think differently. And I think that's the problem with most musicians this day and age. And you see a lot of local players that are great players, but their head's just not in the game. So they don't <laughs> have, the wherewithal. they don't have the wherewithal to, to really go that extra distance. They might be killer players, but they just, they, you know, their head's not designed for the industry. The industry is very demanding. Um, it is definitely um, a very uh, organized forum of suits. So, and, and that's that's how good business is. I mean, you got to have the guys in the, you know, the the, the high offices and, and, uh, and those are the ones behind the scenes that make everything happen. And to be on their team, they really want that guy that's got that kind of disciplined uh, brain. And, and that's what we were taught from our parents, my, my mom and my dad. So wow. when was the, was there like a specific moment when you knew, okay, I'm going to play the drums for a living for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> My cousin Mickey Bala, the late he's he passed. He was unfortunately killed back in nineteen 
84, 85, uh, by a drunk driver. Unfortunately, he was, uh, he was tour manager for black Sabbath from 1970 to 1981. Oh, wow. Whoa. Uh, and, and so early on in my childhood, I, got to know black Sabbath, like got to know the members and stuff from the Aussie years to the Ronnie James Dio years and became very close with Bill Ward, who is the drummer, was the drummer for black Sabbath, the original drummer, um, Tony Iommi geezer, but, and, um, and I knew that playing drums was going to be a place in my heart because that's what I wanted to do. And especially in 1981, um, when I went to, <laughs> went to my first Black Sabbath concert because my parents would let us um, and got to see Bill actually finally play rather than just meeting the guys, Whoa. got to see him play. And I said, you know what? I want to be on that stage. I want to be on, I want that crowd to see me do this. Uh, when I, that's when I first knew I wanted to really, really play. Um, I had been playing on a mixed and matched drum set that had some pearl drums, mostly Ludwig drums, mixed match colors. And, and, um, and I probably since I was five, um, I had, uh, a Sears or a JC Penny drum set that they used to buy from the catalog. And I think it oh, had peanut, I think it had peanuts character drum heads. Oh, no uh, way. <laughs> that's great. All of them. So, uh, <laughs> and I remember that pretty well. And I remember also going through the heads cause I had always been a hard hitter. Um, and so my, my dad around the age of, seven or eight decided that maybe just trying to outfit me with a real drum set that had, you know, some, you know, professional qualities, if you will, like, Mm -hmm. like heads that would last, um, (laughs) might be the best option. So that's what they did. Um, they got me a, a drum set. It was a Ludwig drum set. And, uh, I kept adding on to it. And I remember, uh, (laughs) I remember, when I started getting really good because the, um, uh, the stories were, were a family that lived on our cul-de-sac in Tustin and, um, Mr. Story would, I'd always have the garage open cause I played in my garage and, uh, and he'd always come over and shut the door. <laughs> like, too, too loud, too bangy, too noisy. What are you doing, kid? Boom. Shut the door. Oh boy. And, my dad get got me lessons from a bunch of really cool cats um, um, throughout the years, you know. Um, so I remember one day I was just didn't want to bother the story, so I kept, started keeping the garage door just closed. And then all of a sudden, I heard this, and the springs of the old garage door started opening up. And I I looked back, and there's Mister Story opening the garage door, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck? He goes you are really good now and I want to hear you. And so I thought that was so neat. It was uh, almost, uh, that was almost like what sealed the deal and made me feel like I was onto something pretty good because this guy would always close the garage door and finally leave the garage door closed when I was out there playing. And then one day he just came and opened it. So, (laughs) wow. Um, so I, I knew that I was onto something, um, I watched my brothers who were seven and nine years older than me, uh, March in the drum corps. And, uh, I wanted to get to that point, but I didn't really know my rudiments. So, uh, and I hated rudiments cause I could play like a mother, but <laughs> at least I thought I could. And, uh, and man, a living did, did it suck for me when I first, went in uh to like the seventh grade and we had band and they wanted me to read these notes because everybody knew i could play so why would you get this kid on snare drum right no uh so the teacher basically said hey you know let's let's teach you some notes and some basic rudiments and and that's where I kind of started getting into it a little bit more, but still wasn't happy with rudiments. And it was that 1981 uh, show with Black Sabbath, actually, that Journey was on the bill, oh, Molly cool. Hatchet, the baby. Ah. 
That's great. Oh my gosh. It was huge. And I got to see, and I had been listening to some journey albums that my brother, John had, had played like crazy love journey. So, and I just thought, wow, this, this drummer is a monster. So incredible, incredible sound, everything. Um, I didn't realize that I'd meet him that day. Uh, his kit was set up basically on a rolling riser that rolled out right after Black Sabbath was going to be on, or after they were on. I think that's how it worked. I can't remember in which order they were in, but um, and I was admiring the kit, and Steve Smith came up and started warming up and talking back and forth with my dad, and I got a chance to say hi, and he asked if I wanted to to get up and play on the kit black Sabbath. I think black Sabbath was on, maybe it was the babies anyway. Oh, man. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I got up on this beautiful, uh, blonde maple sonar kit that, uh, that I remember loving, uh, so much. And he goes, Hey, you guys thirsty. You want a Coke or something? And my dad's like, sure, take whatever. So he runs up this ramp all the way up in the Memorial Coliseum in Los Angeles there to go to the concession, the backstage concession to get these, remember the old Coca-Cola cups, the, you know, it said Coke on them. I don't remember the old ones, but and so he went up and grabbed, grabbed some of those and uh, a couple of those and I'm playing on the kit. And all of a sudden this guy comes up and starts yelling. He's like, what are you doing? Get off of that drum set right now. And, my dad's telling telling this guy that uh, well, Steve said it was okay. No, you didn't. And all of a sudden, you oh. see on the ramp, Steve Smith's <laughs> run, rights and coats going out. Of the I told him it was okay. <laughs> so so funny, we're That's like, hilarious. what's that? That's hilarious. <laughs> I had no idea. That, uh, several weeks later, my mom was making a spaghetti dinner and. And uh, there was a knock at the door, and my dad went and got it. And and there at the door was Steve Smith and his, I think it was his girlfriend then, but um, I'm like, what? And he comes in and reintroduces himself and says, well, I'm here for a lesson. And I said, huh? And we went out to the garage after dinner, and he gave me one of my first lessons with him. And, uh, and he showed me what parad yeah he showed me what paradiddles were um one of the rudiments that i had heard about never really played thought they were stupid didn't like rudiments <laughs> but he introduced a way to play them around the drum set that made me go wow that is really really neat so i just practiced the heck out of, out of paradiddles at that point in time around the kit and, until i became so fast on paradiddles, I'd forgot all these other rudiments, but the paradiddles are a mix of singles and doubles. So, and they alternate hands. So mm -hmm. it was kind of giving me the ability to, to play important rudiments anyway that I wasn't playing because they were already inside of that one rudiment. So wow. it just really helped a lot. And, um, and that's when I knew that I could learn rudiments and I was understanding the, I was my ability to read drum charts and, and notes, musical notes and stuff as well. Um, you know, uh, kind of, uh, uh, I think my dog's scratching at the door. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Uh, I think that's where everything kind of, uh, gave me the ability to say, yeah, I'm going to pursue core. And I did. And also, you know, high school marching band as well. So that was really important. Uh, and I tell anybody and my students, especially today, um, I can't emphasize enough just how important the building blocks and the foundation of, you know, anything you do for that matter, but uh, drums or it could be guitar or piano or whatever are um, yeah. the building blocks rudiments the foundation i think they're so absolutely important and without them you know you can hack away all your life but but most most of the time those hackers are never going to get the jobs um i've seen so many guys that are great players uh in nashville and la um so oh are you there yep. still here. we can still hear you um <laughs> so i've seen so many guys in nashville and and uh, or, um, 
uh, great players, but the inability to, to, uh, you know, to really go the distance. So my wife keeps calling me. She doesn't realize I'm in a here. Let me uh, do this. Hold on real quick, guys. Uh, We're going to let Bobby uh, speak to his spouse. And Rhina, you know, I knew, I mean, Bobby and I have been friends a long time. I had no idea. Talk about a fantastic uh, story. I love it. I was so excited. Oh, oh, you're back. I don't know what happened. Did I? You're back. Okay. Here we go. All right. Um, All right. Let me uh, figure out why my volume is acting weird. Are we there? Yep. I can hear you if you can hear us. All right. Now we're back. So sorry. She didn't know. Like, here you go. This is, here you go. This is a very organic uh, <laughs> side of me. See, I get calls from my wife, dog scratching at the door. My <laughs> kids will probably run in at some point and hey. go, hey, dad. Hey. <laughs> so behind the scenes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, that's where I really pursued drum corps and the ability to, to learn, uh, you know, uh, a plethora of new rudiments that that really um appeased my style that i was playing i wanted to be the greatest drummer in the world i think every kid yeah. whatever they do want the greatest at what they do yeah. um and i i remember i remember the first album that i cut with this cat bryn anderson bryn anderson what a great guitarist back in the day um but he had this kid, me, I, I think I was probably 12 years old, maybe 13. And man, I thought I was good too. I went in and started playing and I did everything you could imagine, played every rudiment on every song. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the engineer and producer came in there like, uh, no. Like, what do you mean? No, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> that is not it. And oh, it came in where Bryn actually had to hire another drummer to come in and do it because I oh overplayed gosh. so much. And uh, and I remember I think it I think that producer sat down with me and and because I had to listen to this guy play, I wanted to meet him anyway. I, I had only like one or two songs on that album, but so I sat in the studio and watched this other guy play. And the producer said, "Hey, it's not about how much you play." It's about what you put into it. He said, you know, it's a, you're building a song, but you can't play for yourself. You have to play for the song. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about the, the peaks and the valleys in the songs, the, 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 or, you know, the song you're recording, the emotion, you know, if it doesn't hit you, maybe you shouldn't be playing on it. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and I thought about that and, uh, that's where I started learning less is more, uh, keep it simple, stupid, the, the kiss, uh, uh, you know, uh, so I'm like, uh, you know, that, that made sense to me. I, 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 and it took, it literally took some time to, to really build it up because I had had so many people say, um, you know, less is more, but, I'm trying to remember what, what was said. Less is more, but, and don't be busy, but play really well. And I, and I could never understand don't be busy, but play really well thing, because I thought if you played well, it was everything that you, you knew, you know, every rudiment. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, I, um, I learned how to play less and in this business, you know, we it's a pretty cool little saying, you know, but, you know, uh, it's basically I, I get paid to go boom. <laughs> boom. Paycheck. Boom. <laughs> boom. Paycheck. So, and that's, that's actually not the first time you've told that joke, and I still love it. Bobby, it, but we don't think it's really <laughs> self-evident is like when you talk about this difference between rudiments and feel, right, and, and your journey on, on finding the right balance, you know, 
I, I don't want to, I want to go back to your story, but before I do, I want to cut in like into the future when you met me and I was 23 or 25 and I hired you to come drum on my solo album. One of the things, first mm-hmm. off, the thing that's just amazing to me was like, I had never met a drummer who could just listen to my scratch tracks, like literally just clean guitar. I didn't even do like, there weren't even the guitars that we ended up keeping on the album. Just, just so you could hear the basic structure of the song and you, Basically, everything you hear on my entire soul record is, is is at most a second take. And even then, I don't even think that you did that many second takes with, with what we did. It was mostly one-take stuff. And you have this ability for that feel, that emotion that you're talking about, where it's, it's never overdone. But when there were a couple of times when I asked you, I think it was in the song Tell Me, where um, the, the way the guitar goes is da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-
So, you know, where we kind of left off your, your story, you know, you had, you'd gone through the core, you'd gone through like, um, what started your journey into music. Well, what about when you hit, you know, sort of those high school years and those, and, and, and out of high school, like, how did you continue? Cause so many of us, you know, I, I played music all through, uh, being a kid all the way through high school. But then right when I got out, of high, it was really hard to kind of keep that going. What did you do to, to continue your journey? You know, at that point when you became like a young adult, um, well, that's where, that's where everything kind of comes to a halt for uh, a second for in my life. Uh, if you're a boy in our family, you have to go serve your country. It was just kind of the way it was with our father. My brothers were all already graduated out of college and officers in the army. Um, but mind you, they're seven and nine years older. So my senior year, I didn't even graduate with my class. Everybody says I did now, but, but I did. I, I actually was uh, going through with my parents, this 35 year marriage and, and now they're divorcing and they're arguing and they're oh, wow. come with me. Oh, come with me. And da, da, da. And, and I'm like, no, no, no guys. You know what? I know I'm supposed to be an officer in the army at some point in time, but I, I just want to go in now. So they DEP'd me with a delayed entry program okay. uh, at 17. And uh, and I just said, screw this. I'm going in enlisted. And so I went in the Army. Um, uh, I got hurt within my second year in the Army. I was going to say, did you jump out of helicopters or something crazy like that in the Army? You were doing crazy yeah. stuff, man. <laughs> I repelled out of helicopters. Yeah. But, no, <laughs> we... we, we I was airborne. I was airborne. Airborne. That's right. Okay. But um, got all the injuries to show, so it's fun. But um, so that you know that just wasn't what I wanted to do, though. And I got hurt, and and uh, and there were bad things that happened, and and they basically they sent me back to California to get healed up and come back, and uh, and. It, it didn't, it didn't work. It just didn't work. So I had to undergo surgeries and, oh, and, and, uh, I just, um, you know, I, because I was tired of the waiting game. I wasn't going back to Georgia. It didn't look like, um, I was dating a girl at that time. She wanted to go to Las Vegas cause she was going to go study at UNLV uh, in their ballet class. So I'm like, let's go. I like Vegas. And, uh, <laughs> then I had to report, uh, uh, to, uh, I, I had to, re I had to go back to California to report, but was living in Vegas and, uh, healing up, trying to drum and the relationship with her just wasn't that great, but I was playing like crazy. I had a very steady gig, um, at a couple of the casinos paid pretty well. So I was, I just hung out there. We, we broke up and then, um, I was sad and my, my mom and my stepdad had a ranch here in Arizona. And, um, I had thought about going into radio there. There was an opening with a new station that was coming to Phoenix called Xerox KZRX. And, um, and I wanted to go be a part of that potentially as a drummer for their mascot band called the killing group. And, um, I don't, I don't remember. It's all hazy. The, that period of time. Pretty <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was just angry at the army and angry at the girlfriend and, hmm. and just, you know, I didn't know what direction I was going to go. So, oh, they're cutting uh, out here. Oh, Sorry about that, Bob. There's a guy named Jim Keeler that lives oh. here. Surgery. What's that? We're having some connection issues. What about Jim? Go ahead. You got me? I think I got you now. Back, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, okay, good. Yep, no, uh, so I heard that uh, Jim Keeler, uh, the, the guy who had started Surgical Steel, which was a well-known local band here, and they toured and they did a movie with uh, Rob Halford and Judas Priest oh, um, oh, cool. called them. Um, <clears throat> he was starting a new band called Rated X that was going to be managed by Rob Halford. So I'm like, heck yeah. <laughs> so I blew, I, I blew right out here to Arizona. Um, 
I actually had gone to California first. The, my drums were still in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, um, and <clears throat> I blew to Arizona, um, went to my parents, my on my stepdad's ranch and my, my, uh, my real dad, he, he's like, Hey, Mary and I are going to go to Vegas and grab your drums and bring them out there right away. Cause you need that audition. I said, all right, awesome. Thank you. So they did, they blew through, they came here to Arizona via Vegas, got my drums and drove them here. And I got set up for an audition and the audition was the opening, uh, to Judas Priest's painkiller. Huh. Lots of double, very, uh, uh, very extreme and angry sounding opening <laughs> and I, and i'm living in it now oh and at this point in time by the time i was ready for the audition i didn't want to be at the ranch so i went and got an apartment and i couldn't even play the drums in the stupid apartment <laughs> so i went to the office and they said well if we have any complaints from the neighbors we're gonna have to kick you out and i'm like what if i ask the neighbors and they're well, if they say, okay, then we're not going to, we're not going to be mad. I'm like, okay. So I did. The neighbors seemed to be pretty cool with it. And I had a 32nd audition with Jim Keeler and they basically said, we'll call you. And I'm like, whatever. Okay. I didn't think I was going to get it. Very next day I got the call and they said, Hey, can you get your drums down to 33rd Avenue in Virginia? And, uh, got a studio there and, and uh, you did it. You made it. And I'm like, wow. wow dude. So, and I knew there were several other, several other guys that I was up against. And uh, so I basically got my drums down to this, to this old abandoned looking warehouse with glass block out in front, weeds growing up everywhere. <laughs> and nobody was showing up. And I, maybe I was being put on. And uh, just that time, here comes Jim and his, uh, maybe a brand new Trans Am, I think. And then Rob Halford was right behind him. And they got out and they opened this door. And I remember the whoosh of the sound of the door, like it was, you know, opened this door and it's all black inside. And Jim says, hold on, let me get the lights. And so I stood there for about a minute or so talking to Rob. And, uh, and all of a sudden, all these lights go on. And here's this mock Coliseum stage with these dummy stacks all along, a drum riser that's 50 feet in the air, Whoa, lighting. Oh and I'm, what earth is this? This is awesome. So got my drums in there and set up, and we were on, man. We went out. We played with Poison. We were out on tour with Warrant, Trickster, XYZ, Cinderella. I mean, all these, all these different bands. And it just – that was my real first – um, you know, entrance into the business. And I had a chance to really see, cause I, I was always the backstage guy too. I liked to watch how, how the machine was run. Mm -hmm. I wanted to watch the gear motion rather than being, you know, the surface. I wanted to go underneath and see what was going on. So I learned a lot. Um, and I, I think that's when I learned how to really start playing with feel because Jim was very patient with me. And when I was playing some of the songs that didn't have drum parts, he's like, he's back. Give me a little bit. Uh, um, you know what pocket is? And I said, yeah, I know what pocket is. He goes, have you played with it before? <laughs> <laughs> so he, <laughs> so he kind of told me how, how to play in the pocket, how to just kind of set, back and just relax and at 21 i think i was um that's when i started learning what pocket was was all about and that's when i started after that getting hired for everything and i was i kept working in radio too but i just knew that someday i was going to escape radio and go full-time back in drumming but while i was in radio i really learned from some of the greats out there like dom moyo um, and, and some other guys that, that, that I, that I talked to here and kind of just more of, more of a, a, a chart in-depth chart reading stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, my chops were there. I just had to learn how to really, 
put them all together and get that pocket thing. And my back's at you. Um, <laughs> so, I know, yeah, scratch on my back. Real, real on the um, spot, folks. <laughs> so, what that? I said, well, this is real on the spot, folks. No, but I just, um, I knew, I mean, because, okay, you have to also understand at the time in your career when I met you, you were, well, you're so, you were so into like Americana mm-hmm. and country that I, I've always sort of thought of you as a rock and Americana drummer, but you were really, I mean, you, you've been all over the place, man. Like I had no idea you had such a metal and such a, dude, that's cool. <laughs> Do you have a, a specific genre that you, you yeah. love to play in over another? You just like really like a challenge more than anything. Um, so, you know, like most kids in my generation, I grew up with the Neil Peart's, um, I wanted to, I was, I I always aspired to try to be him. Actually, I wanted to be Neil um, because he was great. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then when I was maybe 11 or so, my cousin T turned me on to maybe 10 even turned me on to uh, a group called the Dixie Dregs and featuring Rod Morgenstein on drums, um, Steve Morris on guitar Uh, and these guys were very Southern rock, uh, inspired, uh, lyricless, uh, music that I was like, well, I like lyrics though. What? Am-? But I <laughs> listened to these guys and I heard each instrument. Each instrument was the vocal line, basically. It was so cool. And so then I had another drummer to look at and study because their styles, he and Neil Parrott, Rod Morgenstein and Neil Parrott, very different drummers, both. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, Rod's a left lefty. So, so I had to understand how to interpret the left side a little bit more when watching him. Uh, but I got really, in, I had always been Southern. I always had a Southern flavor. My mom from Tennessee, uh, my dad loved country, old country, big band country, which we oh, okay. called Bob Wills, Texas Playboys, you know, that kind of swing type country. Um, so so I, I was immersed into it at birth. But so you have to understand when Metallica came out, I saw two bass drums and I'm like, wow. This is really cool. Um, so I added a bass drum, another bass drum. So uh, I wanted to learn how to, how to play double bass, and 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 I I don't know if I'm jumping all over the place, but these these are these are like the these these are the building blocks of where it all kind of started for me there. I see. Um, but then in like seven eighty eight, I saw uh, Mike Palmer from from garth brooks come out and he had two bass drums too and i'm like what the heck man what is going on here this is so (laughs) cool and i i listened to and became enriched with the flavor of what these guys were doing uh, um different genres and i was able to kind of put it all together going you know um i want to play all of it i really do so so when asking the question, what genre was your favorite to play? Maybe um, they all were, they really all hmm. were because they all offered a unique perspective on, you know, where to put my hands and, and where to play uh, here and what not to do there. And I, I listened to kick drum, you know, the, the kick drum patterns a lot. And then, when I was listening at a young age to the kick drum patterns, I, I noticed something that I had noticed before the bass guitar pattern. Yeah. And it seemed to flow a lot with the kick drum pattern. And then I started hearing these bass players playing these passing tones that were just incredible. And so I learned what a great bass player really was too. somebody who could use those passing tones to connect the dots. And, and honestly, really if well I wasn't sad. a drummer, that's, if I if I wasn't a drummer, I'd be a bass player because I think that's probably the most important instrument in the band because they're the ones that they're the glue that are bringing not just the percussive yeah. element together, but all all the notes that the are melody. upside, right side up. They're bringing all that together, including helping align the vocals and yeah. and bringing the melody out of you know the transitions it's just it's amazing i love a great bass player for sure um 
<laughs> so we've been talking. We've been about talking about that. this, and we just talked to a bass player this week. Uh, we're really excited to release that interview, and we've got another mega amazing bass player coming up. I just, the, uh, I feel the same way, Bobby. Like, and it's so funny. Like, we we it, privately, Ryan and I have this discussion a lot about. Listen to any. Um, how many times have you said this to me, Ryan? Listen to any popular song, like any hit song, and turn up the EQ on the bass, and you'll hear a solid bass part. You can't really have like a, a solid song without a solid bass line somewhere. Um, but yeah, I do. I do. Right. I it's and I just love the way you put it together, man. You talk about the connecting the dots. It yeah. was a really good image for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Very true. Learning things from you, man. Very true. <laughs> that's great, dude. The poor. So yeah. So that's that's what it was for me. I remember in '91, I think, when the first Dream Theater album came out, I I had to play that thing back forwards, and that's that, and I had to play it just like Mike Portnoy did, and that's what I did, and, and that's where I became versed in um, in really telling a story in a metal field because I had not heard that. I had seen hitters. Um, Lars Ulrich from Metallica was sure. a great player, but he was a um, right. And then you brought in guys like Portnoy, who were uh, um, more of a, uh, in contrast, somebody like like uh, uh, Lars Yolk. He was more of the engineer. And so behind. So I had to detail out where the bass drums were going, where the snares were going, because everything was a very staccato kind of element between the drums and the music and and. Uh, uh, you know, the players in dream theater. So yeah, it, 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 so everything, you know, everything I did that with rush albums. I I did that with the dream theater albums. I did that with metallic albums. Heck I did that with rush. I mean, uh, rat albums, uh, (laughs) you know, so I love the big metal, big hair metal and stuff like that. Some of the glam metal, I guess back in the eighties, but I also like some new wave and I like some of the, the classics my dad brought us up on, you know, like Benny Goodman and man, oh, yeah, Glenn okay. Miller and Tom. Ooh, yeah. Big band. So, so I'm all over the map with music. I just, I knew if it felt right, um, you know, I would, I would probably play it right because it was, I was more emotionally connected to it. And it's funny because until my later years, I really didn't appreciate the big band stuff my dad turned me on to, even though, you know, I acted like I did to make him happy. I really didn't care about it too much. It was not my feel. Uh, I hit about 30 um, and my brothers and I were playing some, I don't know what we were playing, but probably Glenn Miller. And I started kind of understanding it. Like all of a sudden something just clicked and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute here. That is awesome. Okay. 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 All right. So then then I'd start playing along to that and uh, playing a lot of swing jazz and Nolan jazz. And, you know, those are, those are fun. Those are fun. So yeah, that's that's kind of my story. And then I've been blessed to be able to be a part of Disney for many years. You know, recording for different artists and uh, co-producing recently uh, some artists out of Nashville, and 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 working with a regular guy that I've worked with for the last fifteen years, uh, sixteen years out of Nashville. You know, we do a lot of the scratch tracks for the big guys, mm-hmm. uh, stuff the studio. And you hope that one of the big artists pick the song. So. Um, so yeah, I just, I stay busy. Um, I had a chance to record Dick Van Dyke a couple of years ago, which was a really neat experience. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, you just get really, you get, I think, I think I'm blessed because my, you know, first off I'm faith-based anyway. So I put myself into that category. So I have faith in, in what I do as well. Um, and I just kind of let it happen. I don't go calling on people to see if they got work for me or anything. I'm pretty lucky. It just happens nowadays. So, <laughs> so that's my faith there with the studio. <laughs> so, Can't and complain we stay, about that. We stay, yeah, for real. Well, and you've you've again, you know, we've we've had a lot of conversations, and you've talked with me at length about about your faith and about um, 
you, you've taught me a lot, Bobby. I mean, like really, uh, and, and you've set an example for me. Um, you know, we connected when we made that album together and we, we've been friends and we've even played in a little band together called from Adam, uh, you know, played a couple of shows, which was a ton of fun. Um, you know, and, and I just, you know, I really, what I really didn't appreciate, and I already knew you had a, a pretty broad scope, but like I, to hear you lay it out like this is fun for me to understand, like all of a sudden, all, cause I threw a lot at you when we did that album and it was like, there's nothing you couldn't handle. And I was like, all right, what about this song? And he's like, da -da 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 done. I'm like, one take? Come on. <laughs> oh man, dude. But it's just so cool to hear it, man. And, and. Ah, um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you is I kind of wanted to get your opinion. I feel like, uh, well, we just watched this video. Um, it was a Fender video, and it's uh, these uh, few good famous guitar players are playing on the Game of Thrones uh, uh, theme song, right, to promote some stuff. And, um, you know, it had Tom Rello on it, and it had uh, Scott Ian on it, very famous names, right? Nuno Betancourt, right, very famous names. And Brad Paisley, oh, yeah. Brad Paisley comes in the room and kind of steals the show. And I just wanted to get you sort of your input on, do you feel like country artists don't necessarily get the respect uh, in terms of like, especially the guitar players and the instrumentalists? Cause I just feel like I have slept on a lot of country music and I'm, I think I've missed out on quite a bit of excellent music because of that. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think so. Um, country especially over the last 20 years has <clears throat> has been <clears throat> i guess <clears throat> excuse me allergies i think um i think they're moving to mainstream um 20 years ago los angeles um changed their <clears throat> their uh, tax laws in in the in the uh entertainment industry so <clears throat> a lot of labels went belly up or they had to join parties with other labels mm -hmm. <clears throat> rather than filing bankruptcies. So you saw a lot of labels kind of going out in the nineties. Um, and then some guys had some pretty squirrely ideas that why don't we just pack up shop and take it to Nashville mm -hmm. because Tennessee got really good tax laws. So um, and so the suits basically joined some of the groups in New York and they kind of took over Nashville, creating a blend of musics what, that we call a crossover blend um, that not only can be played on country radio, but also on CHR radio, which is contemporary hit radio. Um, right. And that creates a stronger platform for the buyer or for the artist, I mean, uh, uh, to the buyer. So could you get a more broad, um, play group? So, so it doesn't, it no longer fits into a, you know, just a singular genre country radio. Now it, across the board is being played on a, on a, uh, you know, hot 100 hits radio station, CHR. And so you get more, Listen, more people listening, <clears throat> more plays, more people buy. So I think the Brad Paley, Paisleys and the Keith Urbans are still um, uh, uh, very resilient in their, in this business. And if you listen to them, um, and I think that's probably why you, you heard Brad Paisley on that recording, right? Was that the recording you said? It was like you a know, YouTube video that Fender put out, like a promotional video for Fender. Yeah, that's right. Fender put that out. Um, Paisley's a monster. He is. Man. Yeah, he I'll is. tell you what. He is a flipping monster. Um, yeah, go get some of his early stuff too. Okay. Uh, if you ever him at all, uh, that some early Keith Urban. Okay. Oh my gosh, There's some some amazing. Nobody drinks alone by Keith Urban. Go listen to that song. That's a that's a great song. Not only for <clears throat> feel, okay. uh, tells a great tells a great story anyway that's what country music does <clears throat> but man the outro the bass line the passing tones the guitar solo i mean everything keith does is just amazing you know and uh um everything paisley does is, an, is, is amazing and these these guys come you know from from a uh, a background studying some some serious players so i mean back in the 80s and 90s i don't think i don't think people really 
listen to as much country because there wasn't the Sirius XM uh, yeah. satellite radio stuff. Everything was terrestrial, and you're lucky if you had three stations basically that you could mm-hmm. listen. But a lot of people were listening to AM stations um, because they traveled further, and you could get stuff out of state or out of you know county um, that played more favorite songs. Um, but but when you had country on, some of those players were. I mean, they're just monsters. And I, I wish I could remember some guitarist names when I was in Nashville. I had all the names in my head, it seemed like. But but, uh, but I think that goes away, you know, in time, you know. I'm not in that. So I'm not on that side of the business as much anymore because I'm not there. But, but yeah, I mean, they're just some killer players, though. Like, you listen to what they, what they do. Uh, one in particular, I'm trying to think of a, well, I can't think of his darn name. Um Anyway, but uh, that's, you know, these are the guys that, that put it together for Keith Urban and, and the Brad Paisley. So oh, okay. good stuff. Yeah, for real. And, and it's really fun to, especially if you haven't been in a genre yourself, like you haven't really explored when you come across, like, like you said, Brad Paisley is a monster, like coming across someone who's just, uh, a bona fide like phenom, right? You go, whoa, what was this? Like yeah. it, that, that just, it's the best feeling in the world. That's why, that's why I love what I do. I, I love exploring music. I love writing music. I love finding new, uh, like new things to, to, I mean, music is endless. We talk about this all the time. Like music is infinite, right? And, and so there's, right. there is, um, there's never going to be an end to discovery with music. And it's just so cool to, to to we'll get some recommendations from YouTube, man. <laughs> oh man, what's that? I said just to get it's, some recommendations you know. from you because I I have not ever listened to Keith Urban. Like I know who he is, right? But I have not ever listened to him at all. So uh, I'm like, okay, man. I'm gonna check this out now. Like I can't wait to see what, what I'm gonna get. You know? Oh, you you'll love it. And the and the thing is too, you know, <clears throat> and it goes back because I mean, like I said, I played metal years ago and. And I remember the point where I looked at the guys going, I can't do this anymore. I'm, Why not? Because I'm not angry. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not angry. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking about. Why do you want to do that? Um, I mean, like, what is, I'm not, I don't feel that way. Oh, man. <laughs> so, you can only do that for so long. Huh? <laughs> so, it does make you wonder so, where all that rage like, comes from, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Region anymore. I'm okay. <laughs> Thanks. <I> mean, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I think storytelling is is just as important as as you know the notes that are put together in, in these great songs. And I think more often than not, you'll you'll probably find your favorite song is not in country. I'm, I'm talking about any music, but mm-hmm. is not probably that's on radio. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. Right. I think, and I. And I will say this too for anybody listening: don't go buy singles. If they have an album, buy the album. Help the artist out; they really need that. You know, buy the singles. If you're streaming stuff, try to support it by buying something. Always buy something. Realize that little bit of money definitely goes to the writers and to the artists. And yeah, and especially I'm in, in, in this this day and age that we're in, uh, we really need that. Everybody, I think, needs that. And um, and I know that a lot of these, these, you know, uh, cellular, cellular companies are, are offering streaming. I know iTunes is, and I think Amazon does, but, um, offers these streaming, um, uh, platforms. And I think that's great, but go out there and buy stuff here and there, even if it's 99 cents or about 29 or, you know, you see it, an album that's on sale for seven ninety nine. Buy it; it helps the artist. You know? And that's that same for you, right, man? Because you I, want somebody to buy your. Yeah, I mean, book. and I can tell you, I echo this, Bobby, and and but the, I will tell you, and let me also add to that that there is a benefit to buying them for you as the listener because I do this a lot. Like I, I listen. Spotify is kind of my go to hub for discovering music, finding music, and doing a lot of streaming. But if I come across an album. <laughs> that I'm obsessed with. I go, I, I, I love this thing. Well, I'm not always necessarily, I drive around so much, I'm not always necessarily in a spot where I'm going to have the best reception. I don't like it when 
I'm in the middle of a great song and you know how it cuts out, right? Either because of the, the internet connection or the Bluetooth. So I make a point to buy albums from artists that I love because then yeah. I own it and you own the, the higher quality <laughs> file. That's the win right there. Yeah. When you have the higher yeah. quality file that you can just play on your phone with headphones, let's say, yeah. you're, it's a whole different experience because the streaming quality is not always the best. And boy, you put on yeah. some nice headphones and you listen to what the artist actually did in that album. Like, whoa, it'll blow your way. Like you'll hear things that you could have never heard while it was streaming, and that's the benefit to buying. So you're, I mean, and you're 100 correct, dude. I, um, this whole enterprise that we've got here inside the sound is it is our love letter to all musicians and music lovers. Like we, we want to spread the joy of music. We want to um, hype up musicians that we love. Um, we want to share with others. Like this is the whole reason why we're doing what we're doing um, because this is our yeah. community, man. I mean, and I know you feel this too. Like um, the music community. Um, you know, we're, we are really, we're, we're broad and there's a lot of us all over the place, but we're also super close and we feel an affinity yeah. for each other that, um, you know, I, I, I struggle to find at other, other places, other communities. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to even say that too. And, and to tell people like, Hey, yeah. go buy the album, like go, go thank yeah. that artist for that work. If it's affected you, if you've, you know how you talk about yeah. the feel, if you've had that feel, go buy it. You know, because it, it, it yeah. does, it connects you to that artist forever. It does. And you talk about that listening pleasure through headphones and stuff. What, what headphones do you have right there? What are you wearing? These are my Sennheisers. I've had these uh, since you met me. <laughs> I had these for all these years. The 380 Pros. Huh? There you go. Yeah. The 380 Pros. <laughs> Sennheiser. The 380. Oh, your listening experience just got brighter. Boom. <laughs> there you go. Give him headphones, Sennheiser. Come on. They need headphones. Well, actually, Sennheiser is my favorite, uh, one of my favorite companies of all time. They also make this microphone, the E935. Oh, wait, there's a microphone by Sennheiser. E90, E935, yeah. professional vocal oh, microphone. I can do it. There you go. <laughs> I think he's got you the beat on the pipes. Oh, yeah. Bobby has in. me beat on the pipes. He has you beat on the pipes there. A little I turned deeper. down my bass, though. If I turn up the bass, then I can do a little more Sennheiser E35 Pro. <laughs> oh, man, dude. You guys uh, are awesome. I got to get going here, thank man. Thank you so got, much, man. It's about that. Football game. All right. So, Bobby. But had a wonderful I'm thank with you guys, man. Well, thank, thank you. you. I just, I just you. like to say I love thank you, you as well for uh, love you, bud. Um, going into the music industry, you know, and doing what you do because it, it is something that brings joy to people's lives. And we want to say thank you to everyone we have on for having the courage to do it because it's not easy. You know, it's really not. Thank you for having the courage to put up with my ego. Cause brother, like, <laughs> I mean, when I came to you, man, when I came to you in my early twenties, I was, I was a major egomaniac, man. And I, and maybe I still always will be, but like, I'm telling you, dude, I like <laughs> I never saw that. I never saw that. <laughs> I, just, I really didn't. I will. Thank you. You're just, you're just, you know how I feel about you, man. You know, I love you. And, and I, I, you've just been such a, you've supported me so long and, and you've taught me so much. And I, I was so excited to have you come on the podcast. You're one of my favorite musicians I've ever met. So thank, thank you, man. Well, I'll just leave you with this. You know, music is the universal language. When there are so Amen. many languages Amen. throughout the world, we, we at this point in time in our lives, we need something that connects us all. Yes. And I don't, you know, it, it, politics obviously divides us. We need to get more into music and less into politics. And I think, I think when you have that universal language, you can learn to love each other. And I think that uh, maybe we just need to spread music across the globe. That's that's the that's the my consensus at least. Right. Couldn't we, agree we more. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't this agree is more. why we started inside the sound for that. What you just said, music is a learn, universal language. That's that's our credo, and that's what you know. That's what we're here for, man. Is to spread that joy. Yeah. God bless you, Bob. Good, Thank you so much, man. Guys, yeah, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for being on. We we appreciate your time. All right, take care. Yeah, you too. We'll talk to you soon. Right, bye bye. See you later. Bye bye. I Isn't just, that funny? Like we say that almost every episode that music well, is a universal like, language. He's taught me a lot, know? man. Like he's had a Bobby's had a big influence on me over the years. Like he, um, just in my personal life and as a friend and as a musician, and as a teacher, as a mentor. Uh, man, I gotta get teared. Up. I just <laughs> like for him to come on and be so kind with his time. Like I, I just love him so much, man. I, 
you know, music really is the great thing that can unite us. Oh, yeah, he's a great storyteller. He's like one of the best. Um, just music is the thing that can unite us. And I just, I just want to echo that so much. He talks about music being the universal language. It's what we live by, man. And isn't that crazy how we start, we started this thing and we told ourselves like, okay, we were going to go and we were going to reach other people. We were going to have a good, a positive impact on the world. Right. And, and we see that as the wheels start turning, we see that happening, man. I'm just, uh, I'm just blown away. Anyway. Well, it's funny. Uh, just one last thought. We wanted to, to make a positive impact, uh, in whatever way we could on the world. And it's kind of funny how everything is gravitated towards music. Yeah. More than anything. And uh, I, I think, you know, Bobby brought up a great point that, uh, you know, maybe people need to give more time to it. Yeah, I agree. Because it does unite more than like, you go to a concert. You, people don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Yeah. You're all you're all, you know, they don't take the surveys moment. at the Nightwish yeah. concert. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, no one cares. No. It's like it's a way to unify yeah. a group of people and just have a have a good time. You know, and when you think about it, music is the one way you can escape too. yeah get to that place where nothing matters you know you're just in the moment what's great about music versus escaping it i mean don't get me wrong i love comic book movies and i love tv and I, I love all that stuff the video i love it i love youtube but when you escape with music it's more personal that escape allows you to use your own imagination right and use your own images in your own head from your own life versus what the image is that they're trying to beam down into your brain from a screen. And I'm not trying to say it's a nefarious thing, but at the same time, um, I'd rather dance and I'd rather use my own images in my own head to to sort of escape with that fantasy with a great well, album. I, I will say and, this too about on that same note is musicians that are truly making music for the joy of music, there's no agenda there. That's true. It's just pure creation and wanting to share that with other people. So there's no agenda. Oh, I mean, well that's, that's why it's more pure sometimes, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I don't think I could have said that better. I agree with you. Oh, yeah, 100%, dude. That's exactly it. Folks, this has been one of the best weeks of my life. And I'm so grateful for all of you for listening, our beautiful listeners. I'm so grateful Ryan, for you, like, uh, getting out of bed this morning. And actually, like, you know, did you even shower? I don't know. All right, just fine. You know, I mean, you got your slippers on, but it's, at no, least I, you got up at it. These are, these are uh, Nike running shoes. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man, dude. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, until next time, folks, uh, you know where to find us. Inside. Are you going to try to cut me off here at the end? I'm not going to cut you off at the end. Are you? It, has your okay? Listen, Mr. Is that part of the shtick? Has no. all of your? Have you said all the important things at your heart? You know, want you to say. I think I have one more thing to say. You need to shout out anybody. It probably uh, should we shout out people. Uh, hashtag you hashtag me. hashtag uh, Bobby Earl Hamilton, the astounding master drummer. Uh, who else? Who else should we talk about? Anybody else? We we can throw. We've been throwing out names left and right. You want to? <laughs> we'll wait. Yeah, just we'll wait for the surprises, folks. We got a lot of we got some surprises down down here very soon here that you got you're all gonna love. All right. Uh, okay, thank goodness. <laughs> Actually, was... I actually hit a button on the, on the power pad. I thought I was going to lose everything. I was like, not again. Not again. I will not let this happen. All right. Uh, well, with that being said, bye. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. You rock. Love you, brother. <laughs>